0: Welcome to the podcast of Small Differences with Ian and Otis. So, is physics over? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it's just a lot worse than it used to be, right? Uh, like, is that the is that the consensus? Uh,
1: I think the consensus is that it's a lot uh, like uh, there are large subfields that are a lot less interesting mm-hmm. than they than they used to be. So, Otis Otis is referencing. Uh, new York Times op ed uh, because it uh, the, that was written because it was announced that CERN uh, wants to push a new ten billion dollar particle accelerator when the last ten billion dollar particle accelerator, like this, this one will fix it, like didn't <laughs> really find anything. Um, and so there there's like a bunch of folks now standing up and saying, okay, well, you know, we probably need to rethink. Uh, how we're approaching things. Um, it it was uh, uh, and and we'll link the article in the show notes. Like I I I I kind of agree with with like what the person is saying. Uh, although my uh, my viewpoint on it is, it, I mean, sh- she was writing a New York uh, New York Times op ed, so like you can't exactly put nuance in. And there's only a certain number of words, and there's no graphs or yeah. equations. Yeah, and so her, you know, her her point essentially was: we didn't find anything in the last particle accelerator. Like, maybe we should be putting this money into, or or, or all of the money into like subfields that that are showing kind of like droplets of uh, of promise right now. So, like astrophysics and tabletop experiments. Um, like my my general viewpoint on this was that we kind of knew about this when 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 they turned the LHC on and found the Higgs. Yeah, I
0: kind of knew about this running a like when I was managing a small analytics team yeah. in Silicon Valley, and all of a sudden, all these physics, <laughs> physicists wanted to work for me.
1: Yeah, so like you know, basically when they. When they found the Higgs, the mass the, the mass of it, which is like the critical parameter they were looking for, turned out to be in the least interesting possible spot. Like the one that essentially said all of the, the, the theoretical construction of, uh, uh, of particle physics as it is, is like mostly right. As opposed to pointing at it being totally wrong, which was which is kind of the thing you wanted if you were going to build more particle <laughs> accelerators,
0: scientists. Yeah,
1: I, I mean the interesting thing to me is that this sort of thing has happened before. Uh, so you know, basically, uh, call it like the late eighteen hundreds. If you like, look at Maxwell's equations, for instance, uh, which which like which which govern. Uh, which govern uh, both electric and magnetic fields, and have this weird term in it that's like related to velocity and the, uh, or, or uh, that is uh, uh, that is uh, related to the speed of light, and like no one could really figure out why that was in there, uh, and it looks kind of like the Lorentz transformation, which is uh, which is another thing that was known about at the time. Uh, because experimentally y- you you could verify that it applied when you sort of shifted your frame of reference that like you needed to include the ratio of your velocity to to the speed of light in it and so like everyone knew this cuz they like m- they had made a whole bunch of measurements around it they just couldn't like no one could really figure out like why those terms were in there mm-hmm. uh until like Einstein took a step back and essentially figured out, oh, this is all like those two things—they are related to each other—and the reason that they're there is because this is all about how uh, how information propagates, and you know, basically that there is a universal speed limit; like nothing can move faster than the speed of light, uh, and uh, and therefore, like you, uh, 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 and therefore, like your frame, your frame of reference. Uh, has to be related to that. Otherwise, like you'd be able to tell if you were moving uh, uh, when you moved it at, at like at like constant velocity, and that's where special relativity came from. Do uh, you like
0: like I, it took a while between my my knowledge of like the history of physics is spotty at best but like my my brain has it as like it took a while from between Maxwell's equations and Einstein yeah that
1: was like uh 40 years or something and
0: like, that. Then, like and even then like when they like when yeah. Einstein said you know wrote his paper about frames of reference it still was like a, what another like 10 15 years yeah. before anyone like it, so this is interesting because the like the we're saying we need to change the way we do capital like investments in physics to verify things yeah. um and your your example of the last great stagnation in physics was like it seems like it was more on the line of like it just took
1: a different way of thinking about things, Yes. Yeah, so and then
0: the the capital investments changed,
1: yeah. And like this is not the only example, mm-hmm. right? Like like when Maxwell developed his equations in the first place, like people did not know that electric and magnetic fields were related to each other, uh, and then uh, and then like po- post Einstein, like the the experiments that drove the development of quantum mechanics like, those were known for years that, that like, you know, th- that, like, essentially, you, you there was this weird effect where, like, particles seemed to look like waves mm-hmm. uh, under certain circumstances. And, like, they solved that problem not by throwing a bunch of money at it and building more complicated experiments. Like, people took a step back and rethought the problem. Uh, and, like, like, it's interesting to me that no one's really, like, talking about that aspect, about essentially saying, like, we built this giant, these giant machines. They've, we've now capped out in terms of, like, what they can do. Like, maybe it's time to look at the evidence base that we've generated and, like, rethink, like, how, like, the fundamentals behind it uh, and see if we can reframe the problem to start making progress again.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of interesting that, like, sometimes the ideas lead the capital investments and sometimes the yeah. capital investments lead the ideas in terms of, like, doing scientific research.
1: Yeah, so so what's kind of interesting to me is that uh, you see a similar dynamic, uh, like, play out in the commercial world as well, mm-hmm. where it's like people want to just, like, throw money <laughs> behind, like, make a company grow, like, let's explode it, uh, and uh, – and at a certain point, like kind of, m- most companies will 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 sort of hit the asymptote uh, in in their in their like S curve, uh, where like it doesn't matter how much more money you you drop into the current product or the current growth process, you just can't get any more out of it. Right,
0: right. No, sometimes and, you need sometimes you need um, like to stay at the same state, right like sometimes it's it's not the wisest decision to grow like sometimes yeah. you've
1: achieved like what a company can do well, have you
0: have you only worked for vc com- like vc backed companies
1: um, i no I, I i have worked for large public companies as well um, and and i i've also been involved in like starting up Non VC backed companies, like
0: a, like, I think that that's like an interesting. Like, I don't think you can get that on any data, any given data science project podcast. Like, having gone through the decision to get backed by venture funding versus, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of options. People in San Francisco, at least, feel like it's an obligation. Like, if you're yeah. not doing VC, there's something wrong with yeah. you.
1: Well, or uh, or or you're at like a giant company that has troves of data and you're basically like getting to research on that.
0: I have a friend who works for a really huge corporation and he's a data scientist But like, his data science role is basically buy or sell companies. Mm.
1: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I feel like that would actually be a pretty cool job. It, you
0: know, it gives him lots of good, like it gives him lots of relatable stories that he can talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so so I mean, I I I do know folks who are who are like in what are effectively the research departments at like Google or Facebook. Uh, like th- that is another thing that people will do mm-hmm. like they'll uh, uh, th- at least data people like like they'll go sit in a place that's like sitting at the forefront of of the of, of the technology development side because mm-hmm. like you don't get to do that in a venture back startup
0: yeah I, let's I mean I think, there's two things that are interesting about venture. I think there's two kind of perspectives to have. Like one is and I think we do, you know, we do this a lot. We can give you both perspectives. One is what's like if you're a senior person or a founder or someone starting a company who gets to have a say in what kind of, what to do with the company? Mm-hmm. Like, what should you do? And then there's you as an employee, someone about to join a company. Like, yeah, like, should you care about like what kind of funding? I mean, I'd say the answer like you can you can know a lot about a company given that if you know something about what they're funding is like not everything yeah. and there are stereotypes that are yeah. untrue
1: yeah and, and and I mean when we say funding I I feel like what we really mean is like how is the company capitalized right because like like funding implies someone has given you dollars yes right uh, capitalizing a company can actually be done in ways that are that are that that don't include that yeah, I'm I'm not sure I follow. So so you can capitalize a company with revenue.
0: Okay. Right. Um, so, yeah, I get what you're saying. So yeah. you're saying like I'm I am saying, well, I'm like speaking as though like mm-hmm. it is implied that you are choosing a company that is taking on debt in order to grow itself. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case. That's, like That is
1: that is not always the case. It 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 actually depends a lot on like what the company looks like,
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I feel like any any kind of, like it's really really rare to have an unle- like a completely unleveraged company. That's true. Um, yeah. Any every company at least has investors. If it's a public company, it's like literally the public like <laughs> buying stock. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird to sit on cash. It's the wrong business decision to just sit on cash yeah. unless you're like my dad, uh, <laughs> running yeah. a landscaping company. Yeah. So
1: I, I I feel like you know when I think about this problem, especially if I'm evaluating like, do I want to work at this company? Um, the the key thing that I will look at, uh, which like I hope is the takeaway for like everyone listening here is that the way that a company is capitalized like constrains what its exit optionality is. So like, like how you put the money in initially, like essentially dictates like the range of outcomes that you, that, that you are aiming for on the backside and some set of outcomes are going to be removed by like doing it in certain ways. And uh, and so like you as a person like ha- have to be mindful of that and like choose what you want
0: um, yeah I, I mean like I uh, my point of view is that it's really the people like who puts in the money like mm-hmm. constrains most of the outcomes like what what is there um, Like, what do they want out of that money? What's their expectations? What's their time frame? What's like? Yeah, do they do they want to beat the S and P five hundred? Yeah, versus like, are they investing a lot of in a lot of things? And if
1: one of them pays off, like at nine x, well,
0: like, what's their risk preferences? Is a big
1: part of that? I mean, I mean, everyone wants to beat the S and P five (laughs) hundred. right <laughs> yes like, like but like, otherwise you would just put put money into s&p index funds yes yes right. but i'm
0: saying like is there is there objective like more to not like do they care about getting the 99th percentile or do they have enough risk aversion that they just want to beat the s&p 500 and not like necessarily to achieve like the like take higher more risks to get a higher reward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I so so to me that's one of the more misunderstood things about venture. Uh, like venture, they're not like for the most part. Uh, if you look at at how funds are are constructed, it's it's still a portfolio approach. So they are not looking at a company and, 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 and like, shooting for 9x on – or they are shooting for 9x in at least one company out of their portfolio. And if you actually run that through, like, they run 10-year funds. Uh, assuming everything goes well and, and, and they get their one or two hits, like, most funds are, are, are targeting a, a 3 to 5x uh, return net of fees – uh, uh, over over ten years, and so like that's only a twenty percent return year on year, which is not outlandish if you like look at what hedge funds will promise you. So I mean the argument that I would make is almost everyone who capitalizes a company is looking to beat the S and P five hundred. Like they're not necessarily like very few people who fund a company are 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 saying. Uh, I want 10x out of these dollars in particular. It's just every single one of them has a different strategy with respect to their asset class, uh, and and that governs what they expect, uh, like how they expect those dollars to to drive value for them. So so it, it, it it's like interesting to me to kind of contrast. So one of one of one of the companies that that like that like. I'm involved in as a company that you would classify as a small business. Like we basically do, uh, we sell some consumer packaged goods. It's a relatively small market. Um, uh, And like that, that company is like never going to get larger than like six or 8 million in revenue per uh, 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 like per, per year, unless you know, some interesting things happen and like, Even if interesting things happen, it's very hard to imagine that it gets above 15. Like, that company needs to be profitable from almost day one. Uh, at least from uh, uh, like you, you essentially and and maybe that's not strictly true. it needs to be unit profitable from almost day one.
0: well there's if there's not as much future profits, you can't spend as much time yeah. in the
1: in the red because there you there's only so much of the future you can trade on yeah yeah so I mean basically the issue is that the equity is not that valuable because you're you're not gonna to get outsized returns from the equity. Uh, uh, it, uh, so, like, that means, like, the company doesn't have a lot of equity value. It does have dividend value, but that's limited by what the market size is. So, so you can capitalize it initially by having a bunch of partners put small amounts of money in. But the place you want to get to is essentially where you can take on operating debt, right? So essentially at that point, you're borrowing money from the bank to, to, to make your product, and then you get, and and then you pay it back over time as you sell that product, and you've got about eighteen months or so to like kind of get yourself uh, into the black. And so, like in that sense, like the bank and the partners are capitalizing your company. The thing that they expect out of those dollars is is something like ten to twelve percent coming back to them per year. And so then, when they look at their portfolio if they 're doing this with ten companies, they need every single one of those companies to to be returning that that money they can 't stand failures because if there's failures, it actually like wipes out the return for that year like venture is different right because in venture you're still only shooting for for you know call it twenty percent uh, like like twenty percent year on year return. It's just the way that you generate it is by finding one home run out of 30 and so like then the dollars that you put into a one company in particular you don't expect those dollars to return anything for you mm-hmm. right you're actually banking it will probably go to zero but that like one of the it, and and I mean this is this is a simplification but you're kind of banking that like one of the companies that that that, that you put money into will return a 100x yeah
0: so effectively there's a there's a math argument in that you're that you're saying here or I don't know if it's an argument it's a statement it's yeah. like if you're talking about smaller low growth companies they're going to be like like their earnings quarter to quarter are going to be more highly correlated that's right and if you're talking about like venture type investments they're going to be less like it's going to be more um they're going to be less correlated so you're like when one company is winning, like the other eight are
1: losing, yeah, and the, that that should other things equal all balance out yeah and 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 like and like to me that's 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 the thing to understand is really like what asset class has uh has funded this company because that then dictates well, what are the investors gonna want out of this, right, so so when a bank funds your company, like, what that investor wants is they basically want to see you paying your debt service and, like, not missing any payments, right? And so, and so you need to generate cash flow early, uh, and you have to make sure that your unit economics are positive. When a venture fund backs you, like, they basically, like, their model only works if they're swinging for the fences, and so, uh, and so what they're expecting is that you are using your money – sorry, you are using their money to, like, take a big swing. Yeah. So I think that stereotype – like, I've basically
0: – I've worked for one giant company, two giant companies, and um, a couple of venture-backed companies. And I do think that, like, to me, the, the stereotype of, like, venture-backed companies uh, tend to be high growth, like, aim for high growth. Is true. I would, yeah. and I would say that the other stereotype of, like the uh, the investors are more interested in pushing high growth than the company typically is, is also true. Um, the that's one where probably like just there's more like differences in personalities that drive that over across companies. Yeah,
1: I I I feel like some of that is is sort of personality driven because like. The thing a good venture firm will be pushing is not necessarily high growth, but they're going to be pushing build a big business. Yeah. How does this become a big business? They're
0: going to be pushing you to play to win. Yeah. And a lot of, like, if you know humans, like, there's a lot of, like, tendency to play not to lose. Yeah. um, That would be there when you're building, when you're
1: coming at it from build the company side. Yeah. And, And, I mean, that has implications when you work there. Yeah. Right? It basically means that, like... You cannot do a single thing inside a venture-backed company that is not pointed towards how do we build a big business here, right? Um,
0: I mean, you can. <laughs> it's just that there's going to be institutional pressures yes. that, that will that will uh, get in your way there. And I, I mean, you I mean, you've seen it. Like, there's lots of things that people do that don't run. You shouldn't.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean, like your dominant your dominant your dominant theme should be play to win. Yeah. And, like, this takes the form of, like, extremely fast hiring, building large teams right away, um, building only, like, building minimum viable product, to, like, one at a time uh, on customer-facing stuff.
1: Yeah, run um,
0: run a ton of experiments. Run, yeah. Like, there, like, I do find that, like, there is a... Um, a flaw in people's thinking when they think about when they take on venture well i mean really it's it happens in lots of different contexts but they think about runway a lot which yeah. is like defined as the number of months you have left with your current your current financing and your current team and people are like, we shouldn't hire this other person because it'll reduce our run- runway. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ugh. like the real the real runway is the number of things you can try before you run out of money. It's not like the number of yeah. literal time units um, before you run out of money. Uh, and so you can you can see how like the uh, like what should be the institutional pressure on people gets turned into a more conservative strategy pretty easily
1: yeah so 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 that to me is kind of an interesting point because i i do think that that's one of the misunderstandings of like what you need to do as a as as a venture backed company cuz one of the things that you mentioned is like well it's you know you're hiring large teams uh, I, I actually think that is one of the mistakes that venture-backed companies make because they look at it and they're like, well, we need more people to like try to generate this growth. The right way to think about it is, as you just sort of described, which is that we need to use this money to, to run as many experiments as possible in in the shortest amount of time. And if if... If the way that you do that is by hiring people, then yes, it's hire way, people. It's definitely one way to do it. Uh, but, but, but if you have a pathway to like running lots of meaningful experiments without hiring people, you should go that way. Yeah, uh, and because like, like, like again, when you're venture backed, like that model essentially, uh, like the way that that model achieves success is by building big businesses, and so that's that's the thing that they're going to. That, that like your board and in, in, in that context will push you towards like how does this business become big because they will not return for their investors unless that happens to some subset uh, 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 of those companies and so then the issue that you can run into is well if it turns out that this is actually like a medium-sized like good cash flow businesses or a medium-sized good good cash flow business you've now constrained your, uh, your outcome space to exclude that
0: right let's let's think about uh, let's let's talk about it from kind of a, an upper management founder perspective for a second mm-hmm. and I really want to use this New York Times article to kind of bounce off of, uh, of that and we'll link to that in the show notes but it, it's definitely like there is like a thing where people want to take on venture capital yeah. because there's a prestige thing to it and so many people do it that it feels like you're defective if you don't have it or people will mistake that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, both of us feel pretty strongly that that's just like – it just isn't an appropriate way of funding your business for a lot of businesses. Yeah. Uh, There's like an example of um, this cookie delivery business that like a lot of people liked that was venture back and kind of had to go out of business (laughs) because it was like – it was a solid business that was not like appropriate to the type of funding that it was getting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean to me, I, I, I kind of view that as like, as like that's like, I, I, I see that as as like a very sad state of the world because, for for two reasons, one, one is one is that like now those businesses that make people happy don't exist, right, and two. Is that like I know for a fact that there are investors out there in the world that would have been very very happy with say the dividend based return that you would have gotten out of that medium sized business, yeah. and and in a lot of ways like like so I I I, I read the article uh, I've read a bunch of Jason Fried's stuff who if you're not familiar with him is 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 uh, he's the the co founder of Basecamp uh, who uh, uh, uh who uh, co-wrote ruby on rails um and uh like he he like hammers against uh like he he, he is like on a big platform shouting against venture based funding and like he's correct in that like venture based funding is not appropriate for every business it's not appropriate for basecamp probably uh, which they they never took any uh, and and by the way, that company's done very well. They 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 generate over hundred million dollars in revenue every year, if his numbers are to be believed. <laughs> um, and it and and they did take on. They they do have investors. Uh, Jeff Jeff Bezos is is in there. Um, but you know, but uh, but basically, like uh, the thing that I don't like about what he says is the dogmatism against venture. Like venture is a tool, uh, and and so I I understand all of, all of all of the prestige stuff and whatnot. But you know, to me, it, it's like if you build your company or, or or if you have a business idea and you want to build a company around it, and it's something that's totally inappropriate for venture, and you take venture money, and then the thing implodes. Like that's kind of on you, yeah. Uh, and and it's like I, 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 the. The best analogy I can think of is, is basically like if I decide that I'm going to build a bridge or, you know, that I'm going to build a bridge out of Lego and like I do it and then I'm like – Oh look, my friend has a jackhammer. This will make me go faster and then like I take the jackhammer onto the bridge and completely destroy it and then get angry at jackhammers. <laughs> like, no, the jackhammer was a tool. It's just completely inappropriate for a Lego bridge. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's how
0: humans react <laughs> yeah. to things, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the matter they get, the more they feel like they brought them so they brought something into the situation. Yeah. Uh and, and I do think that there is there is like a Like the social prestige element of it does cause more people to fall into the venture, like the trap of seeking venture funding when they shouldn't.
1: Yeah. That
0: than than other forms. The other the other thing I want to add to that is like if it's cheap money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like (laughs) like maybe it's still the right thing to do. Like like it's Uh, not very few things are cheap money right now, but like there there were you know if you travel back in time. There were businesses that were probably taking on venture funding that shouldn't have, um, if the the interest rates were one percent or two percent higher. Yeah, no.
1: So 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 to be clear, if you can if you can it, like let's say that you have a business idea, um, you're not sure if it's like if it's like venture scale or cash flow scale. Like you don't really know. And someone in venture is willing to fund you to the tune of, you know, three or 4 million bucks so that you can build out the initial product and do the go to market and get it started. Uh, like there's nothing wrong with you taking that money provided you know that you, provided, can, you can build a partnership with that person yeah under, i mean under good terms yeah like build the partnership with that person build your business out the thing is that you have you should do it in such a way that you don't constrain your future optionality yeah right so and there are examples of companies that have taken venture money realized that they were in a cash flow business and then and then essentially works with their investors to like get them return and get them out. Uh, so I um, uh, I think Buffer is is the most famous example of this podcasting app. Yeah. Uh, so like you can do it. It's just that like you kind of have to have the fortitude to 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 do it and like and and also like as a founder realize that like as long as you have control which like you should at least through 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 a series a like you're the one that decides where your business goes and and if an investor like they've put money at risk you know so so with with like companies that I've invested in like I don't have control over what goes on there day to day like the founders will sometimes call me and say like hey what can we do about X, Y, Z like, and I, and I'm happy to give them advice, but at the end of the day, like they're the ones who are responsible for making payroll the next month, not me. Uh, and so, uh, um, um, and so, so, so like as a, as a founder, like you kind of have to take responsibility for what your business is and figure out how to, how to get it to viability. And like that essentially involves optimizing for your wealth and, not for your status. Um, let's talk
0: about it from an employee's point of view yeah. though. Yeah. Right? If yeah. you're thinking so, like, about – That's probably one of
1: the most relevant.
0: Yeah. I here. mean I think you can like – you always want to be looking for growth like in yourself. Yeah. Um, but knowing where you want to grow is really important before you choose a job. Mm-hmm. I often think people make a mistake about – Venture, like choosing like a smaller or venture back thing, thinking yeah. that that's like where they're going to be able to grow technically. Yeah, and that's kind of the opposite. Yeah, it's totally the opposite. Yeah. Like you, like getting a big a job at a big company is go- probably going to give you the elbow room to expand your technical portfolio if yeah. that's what you want to do. Yeah, um, where venture backed things smaller high growth s- stuff is is if you like if you and i think a lot of for a lot of people this is the truth they they view their growth as like doing stuff that's uncomfortable for them yeah. that like takes some bravery um, yeah like that like which which one of those things do you want to do is the part where you should have a good thing in mind before you choose it, and vent- like the high growth implication of venture backed stuff says that they're going to have a lot of stuff that they haven't figured out. And if you want to take the risk, the per- uh, like uh, the un- take on the uncomfortableness of being responsible for figuring some of that stuff out, then that's a good move for you.
1: Yeah, like like the way that I've sort of that I've sort of couched it is like is like big companies will help you build technical depth because you can walk into a scoped role there. Like it's sort of known, like here's the departments, here's what they do, here's the roles inside the departments. You can kind of choose like, like all right, where do I want to go deep? Everyone there goes deep. There's very few breadth roles that are available, that, that are like really available in, in large companies. The thing you get out of venture uh, or, or high-growth high companies in general is if your goal is to expand the set of things that you're doing and, like, get responsibility for more stuff and, like, just get exposed to, like, different aspects of the business and then be asked to, to like, be accountable for something you have no idea how to do, uh, like, venture typically has no choice but to, like, force... Inexperienced people into roles they shouldn't really be in because it has to be done right now, and like you don't get that at like at at like bigger companies. Um, that said, like to me there there's actually two issues that, that you really ha- have to look for. One is that if you're super early in your career uh, and you and like you don't have like a, a foundational skill set yet, and that that you can rely on to basically say like this is how I do a job. A really early stage company is a terrible place for you to be. Because yeah. yeah, it it, de- it depends on your manager, but like well, yeah, like no one will have time or bandwidth for for mentoring you.
0: Yes, if you're if you are the type that can do it on your own and doesn't really want like if you're like not interested in mentoring or you don't need that you think to up your your skill game and you can jump into it, then it can work. But, like, I
1: don't think that's most people. Yeah. And almost, almost everyone needs to learn how to actually have a job. I, uh, yeah. So I think that uh, if from that point of view,
0: like, if you're – like, if you don't have a lot of faith in yourself to self-teach on, yeah. like, how to not, like, basically poop on the floor at yeah. work or then, like, you can't really count on, like, effective mentorship in yeah. a lot of those environments. I think if I were a listener right now, I'd be like, you guys – This kind of sounds like a recipe for signing up for a company that's run by a bunch of irresponsible assholes (laughs) that want to, like, push all of the responsibility for everything onto me. And the answer to that question – like, the answer – the counter answer to that is, like, there's definitely a lot of those (laughs) hiding behind this risk – like, this risk that you're taking is that you will sign up for one of those companies. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like that's – I mean that's sort of the danger is like the high-risk, high-reward high, risk, high, high reward nature of the game definitely attracts a certain group of people. There's some people that
0: are good at blackjack and there are some people that are like pathological gamblers, right? Yeah. Like the, the – and it's not clear like just because there's a blackjack table and there's people at it, you don't know who's – Sitting there. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, I mean, basically, the the thing about venture is like, well, you have you have the set of people who are there because they love the gambling, Uh and then you have another set of people who are there because because they're good at gambling. Well, it and they and they like love to to push themselves hard to try to create some big impact in the world, which like you really can't do sitting inside Google. Uh, and like those people are awesome to work with and so like figuring out which one you're dealing with is like kind of the key i
0: i know that right now the you know, the audience is probably waiting like there's a certain mm-hmm. section of our audience is like well w- well how do you do it <laughs> and like i wish someone would tell me yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: i mean i, I you know I, I'll, I, I i i can at least say what 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 my process has been and, and essentially for me, like I, I've always gotten bored working for large companies. And so like, that's just not like, like that's the first thing to figure out is to figure out like, like what kind of person are you? So like, are you, are you driven by the deep, by like the deep technical things and pushing yourself in that direction uh, or, like, are you – do you connect much more tightly to, like, the business value and, and like, direct feedback loops in the product? Uh, because if you're the former, then, like, Google, Facebook, like, places with lots of data are going to make you really, really happy. If you're the latter, like, you're going to have trouble there because you, you need access to the breadth to like to, like, enjoy your job. Yeah. So now let's assume that you are the latter – right so then you're sort of sorting through like you know at any given point in time there's say like 50 to 100 like venture backed companies hiring in, in in the right stage or 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 really across various stages and then you have to figure out like all right where do i want to sit so like you know basically it, like general rule of thumb is like well a company that's series C and beyond like is probably going to look a little more like a larger company um, they've likely figured out how to like make some pieces of their product work and are like mostly make it, like they they've got product market fit on
0: some level yeah. you may not find that they are more organized than your series A or yeah. series B like yeah. Twitter's still like let's be honest <laughs> like it's still kind of a startup in a lot of ways like yeah. it hasn't found the way that it does stuff in a way that it, like keeps the bargain between. Employee and investor and management like yeah. stable. Yeah. So right? so
1: so like if you're looking at those companies, you actually have to look quite deeply into their business to figure out like how close are they to viability? Because there's there's a range of it, uh, and you you really do not want to be at a Series D startup that fails. Like then like everything goes to zero. Like everyone's reputation gets ruined. <laughs> Uh, and or, or or we'll say like no one gets positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think they. Uh, like, I I've yet to like. I
0: don't think people do a lot of evaluating of like this person was at this company and it failed, especially when it's a big company and there's a lot of yeah. a lot of responsibility well, to spread around. Yeah,
1: it's it's just like the the positive network accrual that you expect out of a startup. You're are you're, you're not going to get. That's that's a really better way to put it. Yeah. Where it's like you
0: get a lot of. Um, you really – like when a, a startup turns into a big company, like that the managers and senior
1: people and yeah, key a, people go out and they found other companies yeah, and they start things and yeah, you don't get like, that. There's like a big golden halo effect essentially and, and like you're actually kind of seeing that out of, out, of, out, out of a few places right now.
0: Yeah, I think Square Square is like a one where like yeah, you Square. see a lot of companies that have a lot of
1: Square people in them. Yeah, Square Square's got a bunch of those. Uh, Twitter actually has has a bunch too. Now there's a whole bunch of people coming out of there and transitioning into venture. So so like like that's that is a real thing. But what that means is that if you're going to go to a later stage startup, you like they should have business metrics that they can show you. And and so like you should be able to evaluate like does this company's product work at like at like Series A Series B like eh. they're not really gonna have that <laughs> yeah. and so like then then the thing that you're kind of looking for is like how good do I think this leadership team is like how good are the founders actually uh, and then like. Like that's sort of on on one side. Like and and who who are they backed by? Are are, are they supportive investors? Have those investors screwed people in the past? And that's, that's really important. I think that yeah.
0: that's when you're taking on investment. That's like like I know the people who invested in in some. Uh, well, I feel I probably shouldn't get into specifics. But like talk to like a an investor. Like talk to if you're thinking about investors. Like what have their failures done? Yeah. Like, what have they done for their failures is, like, important. I remember when one company went down, like, our an investor of theirs came to our company and was like, I've got some really good people working here. Yeah. Like, can you try Like, this guy didn't know. There's no real monetary reason for him to do this. But he was, like, trying to find a good home for the people that worked at this company that that went under.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, you know, when when my startup failed, I definitely, like – you could tell very – like, that allowed me to figure out very quickly, like, who were the people I – who were the investors I wanted to work with in the future versus who I did not. Yeah.
0: Um, so, I, I think – So, uh, sorry.
1: I, 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 I want to say one more thing about this, the, that, like, the, there's the people involved. The other thing you have to look at is in a Series A, Series B, you're making an ecosystem bet. Like you're basically betting that that whatever ecosystem or environment that startup is sitting in is one that's going to grow. Because if the ecosystem doesn't grow, the company doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and so, like like to me, that's the other thing you can evaluate is like, do I believe in 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 uh, uh, in that ecosystem bet? And then that allows you to make an assessment of like uh like the thing we were talking about early or uh, thing we were talking about earlier which is should this company be venture backed because at series A series B it kind of starts to become a little clearer like whether that's the case uh it's, at seed that's it it's like a little less clear and i I would recommend anyone who is like who who is early career especially as a first job if you have any other options you should not be working at a seed stage startup. Mm. Uh, like that's like 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 those things are just like, uh, like that's like starting the game and in, in hard mode, and early employees of seed stage companies like they 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 are taking on a lot of risk, like almost as much as the founders, but the reward that they get is typically like like. 10 to a hundred X less.
0: I think what you're saying is like your equity is like got a higher price to exercise. Right. And the, the act of moving from the scale of B to the scale of D is just like the hardest, like the most effort. Yeah.
1: And like, that's where you're going to hit. So, I mean, you know, basically uh, i for for me, like Series A in a high growth company is actually like almost a sweet spot because like the yeah, company
0: figure out it's high growth. It's yeah, series a. yeah. I mean,
1: and and like usually you, it, I mean, that's where the ecosystem bet kind of comes in. You've got to have some product sense and some conviction, but that's that's like kind of where the sweet spot sits. Series B, if it's super high growth, is also is like also a good spot. Um, that transition of like A to D is kind of where like like you can take a lot of dilution there, uh, and so so like your your upside will get capped. But in like Series A, Series B, like is where you sort of have you can find enough information to know if if this thing is going to be real. At like seed stage, you know the founder is is holding. 40% of the company, you as an early employee might get 2%, but you're taking on almost as much risk as they are. It, like, your paycheck is way smaller than, like, what you'll get at, like, a larger company or even a Series B company. And, like, the, the risk associated with, with your equity, like, relative to the economic upside that you're going to get, like, both from that company and in the future, because, like, even if people know, oh, you were an early employee at X – like, really, it's it's the founders that get most of the reputational credit. So, so like, if you're going to be an early employee, you kind of have to look at that as a, as, as a stepping stone to, to either founding your own company or, like, moving into venture capital, uh, because, like, you are taking on a lot of risk. Uh, and the reason I don't recommend that pathway for, like, people who are really early in their careers is because That's where you have to be super focused on products. And if you don't know how to have a job, if you don't have, like, a depth of technical expertise, like, it's – like, you're going to – you're basically going to be learning. Like, never mind your feet to the fire. Like, you're going to be learning with half your body engulfed in flames.
0: I I feel like the people underestimate the amount of, like, introspection they have to do about this. Like, there's – it's hard to do the research – on companies to like assess whether they're a viable business, whether the ecosystem works, whether the company culture is going to work, and honestly, like most companies fail out of lack of product market fit. So, like whether people don't have the execution details down, like makes life easier and better. Yeah, that doesn't really necessarily differentiate the good from the bad in terms of like uh, like getting you money, getting to the finish line of a company um but like knowing what your stress handling capabilities are yeah. whether you have the appetite for risk what your financial situation is going to be like what your family plans are like those are the things to kind of yeah. figure out and i do think a lot of people just kind of like they know people in startups and so yeah, they're like, like oh, my social circles there like and i they, they and take, they're,
1: and they're thinking like, oh, this this is my lottery ticket.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've you know, I've been there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, all right, I think we we yeah. have uh, talked a lot about that. I wanted to quickly touch on like I got a lot of positive feedback from our our last um, our last episode on OKRs. OKRs. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, thank you for thank you for listening. I do think the like the feedback I mostly got was like we had a very grumpy episode about OKRs. Yeah. I thought like we were we were both like kind of down on the institution, and the most of the feedback I got was like you were, we were too p- positive. Yeah, we were too kind by half. Yeah, I like maybe there's like a big problem with yeah. OKRs in software companies. Like maybe like yeah. it's a biased sample, obvious. Yeah, Lee, but uh, it seems like it's an institution that like a lot of people have grown to hate.
1: Yeah, we're, I mean, you know, one of the things that I, I guess. Like you know, we were musing beforehand that I was kind of wondering: is like, is this indicative of a larger problem that's not necessarily talked about very much?
0: Like, it's going to take a whole episode and probably another person to like balance out our point of view. Yeah, but I think there's like a like there's not enough selection pressure on execution. To say that like everyone in like software or any given industry is like executing in the right way and running their co- their their companies in a way that is efficient yeah. in the economic sense. And I think like what we see is like the – like what's probably going on is there's anger at OKRs that is like they're just not fixing the way the company is run. They're not fixing yeah. the things that they're supposed to fix. And it's probably – it's probably the jackhammer and the the Legos thing again, where like, yeah, it's not gonna yeah. fix that, right? Like, you need yeah. to you need to do something else, and then maybe you can use OKRs in a way that doesn't anger like everyone yeah. the same way that it does.
1: Yeah, and like, and that's a harder.
0: That's, yeah, we don't have enough time to do
1: that today. But. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sort of interesting because I I actually personally feel that like all of this stuff is kind of interrelated uh it, and and like i've seen it in like watching this this like little cpg company like try to stand itself up and like how focused that company needed to be on how they execute and like they knew that they couldn't raise gobs of money to like make up for for like any deficiencies that they might have so they act, that that they might have what so, does cpg stand for uh, uh consumer packaged goods okay uh, so, so like they actually had to focus on like controlling their costs and figuring out where their money was going, and 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 uh, uh, and like executing cleanly on all of these little projects that 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 uh, that we had to do. I was contrasting that with the software companies that I know, and 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 like a lot of them don't operate that way, and probably some for good reason and uh, like because there's some aspects of that that can become pathological if you're if you're not careful but there's there is something to be said for like for like thinking about that and valuing that that uh that that uh, that, that kind of execution uh anyway i think i need to think more about this but there's definitely another episode to be done here
0: yeah so we promise we'll revisit that in the future uh, but yeah i think that we Like we're both of the opinion that it's like a lot – like a lot of the frustration is more in using OKRs to solve problems that it's just not realistic to expect it to solve. Yeah. Um, I had one person tell me that like the light – like the fact that they're advertised as lightweight – was a straight up gaslighting lie, <laughs> or either that or a threat to replace them with something that's even more <laughs> uh, like even more burdensome on a company? Yeah, uh, I thought that was funny feedback. Um, anyway, I think that's enough for today. Yeah, uh, it was good talking to you, talking to y'all. I hope you find this useful. Um, if you want to give us feedback, we've got we're at feedback at smalldiffcast and we're at of differences on Twitter. Uh, At Ian Blue One on Twitter, and I'm at Old Jacket on Twitter. And uh, thanks for listening to us. All right, thanks everyone.